2: hey what's going on no bad dog army i have a this is a good amazing podcast yeah, i just um just on this one um so if anybody out there is dealing and struggling with dogs approaching off leash if you're struggling with your dog being reactive if you're struggling with your dog not listening to the commands you're giving and trying to figure out why if you're struggling and trying to figure out how to build out your obedience and different distractions and make it more scalable to reality and plus much more this is an this is a podcast for you. It's action packed from start to finish. Um, you guys will just tell some of the dog owners that I work with. Um, we just work really well with each other. They're like, hey, what about this? And I'm like, boom. Hey, what about this? And I'm like, boom, I'm just on. And then other times, um, it's a little hard to dance around certain things. And so this is just a wonderful as I'm as I was recording it, I was like, this is a great one. Uh, we talked about the members club at the end of this. Um, if you guys are struggling with your dogs, I have the No Bad Dog Members Club. You have access to my personal private dog training team at my facility for $39.99. You get access to them and you get access to over $100,000 worth of dog training content that people have already paid for, filmed the entire process, and we uploaded it. And you can watch it from the comfort of your home anytime. And of course, the No Bad Dog community. So it's a win, 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 win. If you guys want to join, support the No Bad Dog movement, click the link below. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. So if you want more information, stick around. If you want me to answer your specific question, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave a review in the review column. Um, We're going to get into the podcast. Good luck. Have fun. Talk to you at the end.
3: I have a four-year-old golden retriever. Um, He's like the sweetest thing to people. He loves people. Um, (laughs) He does not like other dogs, (laughs) Um, which is hard because most people see him and they think, oh, he's so friendly. Um, So, you know, we have a lot of people that just like come up to us unsolicited and I'm like, wait, wait, please stop. Like he's not friendly. Um, And then some behavioral issues like as well. He's very smart, but very stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not, I have been trouble getting him to like, listen to me like commands he knows and can do, but if he doesn't feel in the mood to do them, sure. Um, you know, he'll kind of get me some, some sass. And then the biggest thing is that I can't, we can't figure out and nobody's been able to figure out is he does not like to be go in the car. Um, and He, you know, it's an all-out, like, fight to try to put him in the car. Um, But he gets in my friend's car perfectly fine. And she takes him to, like, all the same places I do, like the vet, the park, you know. um, Yeah. That's pretty much where he goes. But, you know, so it's not like I only take him to the vet. Well, he loves the vet anyway. But, you know, it's like we take him to the same places. But it's just weird. You know, he'll get in right for her and don't even need a command. You just open the door and he just walks right in. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Is, uh, we'll start with that. Is your car and her <laughs> car the same type of car? Is it like a, is yours an SUV and hers isn't?
3: Right. So mine is a little higher and the door doesn't open as wide. So it's a newer car. And then mm-hmm. hers is an older, like actual car, Right. kind of like a Nissan, like car. Um, so it it's lower to the ground and she's got cloth seats and I have leather ones
2: Mm hmm so that's probably I mean the reason why I asked is it's probably like the first thing is the height for some dogs Mm -hmm. is just weird so the more low to the ground easy to step in for dogs (laughs) is is a better time and some dogs dogs get like some I I don't know there's no sometimes there's no remedies and dogs can just have these little ticks and these little (laughs) weird things and and nobody can explain them and so so some dogs just like they like that easy to get into thing. And you know, God forbid you put two more inches on a car and they're like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I think that's probably the first thing I would say. The other thing. Uh, so there's that is like, I, I've just seen that over and over again, which is why I asked some dogs. They're like, okay. Oh yeah, I love cars. I love going for rides, but only in cars that are really easy for me to get in. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you've tried this yet, but what I do is I've spent, these are like my funner projects, more fun projects. I like the, like, I like the dogs who are kind of worried about getting into cars because it's like a hard code to crack. And so what I have done in the past is, uh, two things that have been very successful for me has been a lot of momentum. So Mm -hmm. instead of like a lot of what a lot of people do is they go out and they say, okay, buddy, come on, let's get up there. Come on, let's get up, which is normal, yeah. and, which is normal and fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I like to do is go like, go to the car, open up the door. And then I will like go walk, I don't know, hundred feet one way. And then I'll start like coming mm-hmm. back. And then I kind of like start jogging. I get the dog excited. Come on, come on, come on. And then I just go up to the car and I go up, up, up. And then I try to like use that momentum to get the dog to jump up. So okay. that's, that's one way that I've had dogs break down because if you, if a dog is like, I can't make, so it's sometimes it's, I can't make that jump. The dog's like, I can't. Right. And of course you're like, of course you can. But to them, they're like, no. So, right. so you just use that momentum to like run up there and then you go up, up, up. And they're like, Oh, boom. And then they like free willie They like <laughs> <Yeah>. jump in <laughs> yep. and then that changes the game. Uh, the other thing okay. that has been really helpful has been going in on the other side of the car. So opening up both doors in the back and then going in on the other side with like a longer leash and just trying mm-hmm. to encourage and coax the dog in as much as you possibly can. Like, okay. um, like come on, buddy, like, come on. Like, just, yep. just and, and then just kind of like backing up because, you know, Goldens are going to want to be with their owners as much as possible. And if you have some food that's involved and a lot of positive reinforcement, that's typically what I see, or that's typically what I have had success with is just, I'm on one end of the car, the dog is on mm-hmm. the other end of the car, and I'm you okay. can see straight through and I just have a long line yeah. and I'm just like, hey man, like come on, come on, up, 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 up. You know, tapping on the tapping on the yeah. um seats, a little bit of food. So if the dog is food motivated, I can lure them up. Yep. Come on, come on, come on. Um that's um that's also been successful. Um third option, I mean your your dog's four, so it's not like he's likely to have problems with pain or arthritis of getting in and out. It's more or less just the confidence of like jumping yeah. up there. It's like terrifying. So the other right. the other thing that I've had easy success with is just a ramp or stairs. Okay. Um so you can yeah. you can go to like I don't know if you've done this yet, but you can go like Walmart or Target and get those like little mm-hmm. t- tiny stairs, like little plastic stairs that you can stick yeah. in. So that's the other thing that um okay. that's kind of like beating around the the real yeah the, the dog doesn't really have a big problem they, it's a confidence thing that's that's really right. what it comes down okay. to it's a form of confidence where they're like I can't I can't do this and you're like you can though yeah. like trust me yeah. like you definitely can unless you're talking about like a jacked up raised up car it's not that that's not what we're dealing with no. so <laughs> those are the three things I could think of off the top of my head that has been really successful with me in the past
3: okay and then so like if i was you know to practice with him do some of that um so he will usually get very upset you know once he figures out where i'm trying to put him in the car he gets very angry and you know will lay down try Mm -hmm. to bite me you know does not want any part of this like should we just quit at like that point or keep going yeah it's like i don't you know i don't want to make him more angry but i don't want to like Quit and just have this problem continue and never get past it.
2: Totally. Uh my My gut tells me that I don't know. It um okay, the the, the hitch in this, the whole interesting thing is is he's great in your friend's car and he's not in yours. So oh, yeah. if it was yeah. a car thing, I would say like overall car thing, but it's not an overall car thing, it's like an SUV thing. Did you have a car previous to this that he liked or is it I always. Did. Okay
3: mm hes i had a car a car similar to hers um cloth feet low to the ground. He didn't really like that one either hmm. um okay but he it was not as bad as this where he wouldn't get so angry and would eventually just get in but mm-hmm. this yeah. one it escalates a lot more <laughs> yeah
2: that's interesting isn't it um yeah. so you have to and a part of being whatever you want to call me, you know, dog trainer or whatever is just investigating and trying to figure out like, you have to get creative, especially with behavior. When you're talking about basic obedience and stuff like that, it's like, it's pretty self-explanatory across the board all over the world. But when you're talking about behaviors where you get like, that's where the art form comes in, in the dog world. And the, in my opinion, in my experience anyway. And so you just have to get creative. So some things I'd be doing is like, Hey, maybe it's the friend, I don't know. Maybe it's like, get the friend in your car and see if that works. Um, The other thing is, is don't, um, don't, I would put the, I would try to get the dog into the car. And once you did like make it a fun experience. So get the dog into the car, get the dog out of the car, get the dog in the car. So I would be practicing these types of things. Yeah. I'd be practicing these types of things when you don't have to go anywhere. Because okay. you can desensitize, I mean, there's only so much you can do. If a dog doesn't like whatever, <laughs> it's like, there's only so much you can do. So when I talk about desensitization with my clients, it's not something that is going to solve the problem, although, and however, it can certainly help with the 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 situation and the equation where they're, they have the mm-hmm. lack of confidence of jumping up into the back of this car. And when they do it, two things you go somewhere so you drive maybe it's the driving cuz maybe sometimes mm-hmm. dogs will be like I don't like the way that this sounds when it's going down the road I don't like how fast right. it goes I don't like whatever cuz you got to look at all these different variations of mm-hmm. it, it it sometimes isn't just getting up into the car the dog's like no every time I get in here we <sighs> uh sorry every time that <laughs> <That's> we <okay. laughs> every time that we get up here we go you know, a popular one is like to the vet. My dog doesn't like the car. Right. And we like, we realized like, well, you only bring your dog into the car, like two times a year and it's to the vet or whatever. Right. So, so you just, I'm just giving you like different aspects to start thinking of where you're like, sure. you know what? Yeah. Maybe it's just my friend. Maybe if we have her come with us, or maybe it's when we get in, maybe he just doesn't like, cause if you can because that's what I would be doing. I'd be breaking down all those walls of like, what is it though? We get the dog. Yeah. And so we fast the dogs. So we don't feed him breakfast. He's a food motivated dog, loves his food. Great. So I basically take some of his kibble and some treats. I'm like, Hey man, get up here, get up here, get up here. And he mm-hmm. reluctantly, but will get up there. And then you break him. You go right out the other side of the door. You go right out. So that you do that like 20 times in pay out Okay. in pay out. If you can have somebody helping you, obviously that's easier, but That's the way that you can do it to start wrapping this out. And the dog says, you know what? I have no problem getting in this thing. But it's when you start it and when you go or where you go is where I have a problem. Right. So that's your job is to try to figure, especially when you're dealing with these behavioral things. Yeah. Um, Again, it's not as like my dog's jumping easy. Yeah. All the behavioral stuff is easy, but uh, I'm sorry, but the obedience is easy. So you just have to start twisting up these variables and try to isolate what it is but also with that being said oftentimes dog owners will only like so so they're like all right um we're going to the park or we're going to the vet or we're going to the groomers or we're going to your friend's house or whatever the case is yeah and you're only doing that once a week or twice a week or whatever so i would be putting the dog in the car and then getting right back out putting the dog in the car and getting right back out but my point is is the more you work on it, the better it's going to get because it's like somebody have a problem with their dog barking at the doorbell, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. But they're only working on that when somebody comes to the door, which is maybe once, you know, every other day or once every day, depending. Right. So I'm like, really only get one chance to really work on the problem. So try to recreate right. that problem. Ding dong, you know, problem solved. Ding dong, problem yep. solved. Ding dong, problem solved. So it's the same thing okay. with the cars. You're like, hey, I have a problem with my dog in the car. But let's think in audit, well, I only try it when we have to go places. So you're only really working on it for, and this is just, you know, historically, I don't know, you could, you could be doing this 20 times a day for all I know, but (laughs) so just try to go out and make it a training session where you're not like, Hey, I got a couple hours free after work, before work days off. Yep. I'm going to turn this into a training session to really dig down because if you're trying to work on a problem in reality, in the game. Mm -hmm it's hard to problem solve. You're just, right. you know, going so fast, if you will. And it's hard to really figure out the mechanics of, well, what is the problem? What, at what point yeah. is the problem and how can we break down those walls?
3: Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Thank okay.
2: You. Yeah. Um, do you have any questions on that? I don't think so. Okay. I
3: think that's helpful. Cause you know, I'm trying to put him in the car, and then not get him right back out. Um, right. And he has done it a couple of times when I'm like, you know, unloading groceries and I've got the back door wide open and I'm not paying any attention. He'll climb in the back seat. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Like, you won't do this when I need you to? Mm-hmm. But like, but I think maybe it's because he knows he can get in and out mm-hmm. freely. I don't know.
2: Yeah, exactly. But. So, so but make those, try to capture those things of like making it really comfortable. Yeah.
3: Okay. Because yeah.
2: there's a, there's like a, Um, I don't, I forget what it's called, but it's like this, it's not a variation, but it's, well, it could be, it's like, think about the amount of times that you get them in and go somewhere versus the amount of times you just get them in and then give them food and then break them. You want to, that's where that desensitization comes in and that confidence comes in. It's like, you want, you want to do more of the good stuff. Like when people, again, like classic example is dogs at the vet. My dog doesn't like the vet. Yeah, no shit. The vet sucks for your dog because you go, you know, two or three times a year to get poked and prodded with something by a person that doesn't know you and it's just not fun. In a clinical environment, it's just not fun. It's too sterile for dogs (laughs) in a good way. You know what I mean? It's just, it's an office vibe. So, but again, they're like, but I'm like, why wouldn't your dog like, like, why, why, what reason would you give your dog to like the vet? Well, there's no reason. So again, if it's it's one of those things I tell people, there's not really any training you can do. It's just you're 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 bringing your dog to a situation that they end up on the short end of the stick. So yeah, they're not going right. to like it. But if you want to spend time and effort and communication with your vet, you can flip that variation of we go here three times a month or every week and I get my favorite treats and I get my favorite food and I get all the love and then we leave. And then- yep two or three times a year that you need to go there for anything else, the dog's like, I love this place. This is great. But again, like a lot of people, A, don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. B, they don't think of it maybe. And C, right. um, the dog still doesn't like the vet. you know. So, But <laughs> if you can start off on the right foot and say like, okay, what are some situations that we can start to try to flip in my dog's mind of what the – but your dog likes to," vet. I'm just saying
3: yeah. same thing with yeah. the car though. Mm-hmm. Same
2: thing with the car for you
3: yeah
2: okay cool um so the other thing you were talking about uh, was the reaction towards now uh, i i missed that i know dogs he's not particularly friendly with other Mm -hmm. dogs but is it people too or is it just dogs
3: no he loves people he's great with people. every person we see he's like i want to (laughs) meet yeah i
2: got that vibe i just was um clarifying So with the other yep. dogs, um, has explain to me the history of this a little bit. Has this been going on for a long time? Um, has it been a certain switch in his behavior, a change of your life? Like where did this happen?
3: So I think when he was a little pup, I've had him since he was a little puppy, and he loved dogs, he loved everybody. I took him to a dog, po- uh, dog park, and he got attacked by three dogs and ended up like on the bottom of a dog pile. And there was nothing I could do Mm. because the dogs were so big and the owners were like nowhere to be found. So it took a minute to get the dogs like off of him. And since then I noticed him being like really kind of fearful of dogs, but now it's gotten to where, you know, we walk and he's just immediately like on guard, like first standing up, growling. We can't pass the dog without him lunging, growling, fur standing up. So I really noticed that probably probably at like a year old, um, I didn't have him neutered until he was a year. Um, And the behavior kind of, you know, just escalated from from there to, you know, it was just like, oh, I don't really like other dogs. You know, I might could see him. He could go up to some and be fine. Sometimes he would snap at them, but now it's like any dog. And even if we just pass them, he's like growling standing up lunging
0: yeah
2: and what do you do when that happens I mean obviously the dog attack was a big contributor here but what do you yeah what do you do when this happens I mean how are you managing this right now
3: um <laughs> usually if I see another dog I turn the other way like I'm like I'm not even putting us in that situation because he's so hard to you know hold because he's so big um Usually, just trying to get between you know me between him and the dog, and just you know trying to get him either past them quickly, or sometimes I'll you know have him sit and I'll stand in front of him and just have him kind of look at me, try to keep his focus off the dog like passing by. Um, tonight we had to walk by one that had an invisible fence, and I had a tr- I ended up having a treat with me. And I kind of just held it, like, get my chest and just said, look, look. And he, you know, looked at me while we kind of walked by and that seemed to work really well.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it can, um, I'm, I'm big on like what works. So mm-hmm. that's what I always want you to do. But, um, With the dog, uh, uh, do you feel like him being intact had anything to do with it too? Because usually that does, but uh, you mentioned it, so I didn't know if you had a reason why.
3: I think so, yeah. Because before that, he seemed to not mind other dogs, you know, like other dogs, not mind other dogs. Um, Yeah,
2: Yeah, that's common. (laughs) So that's what I was asking. Um, That's fine. That's cool. Uh, That's cool that you kind of went through that path and figured everything out. So yeah, the intactness, is he still intact or did you fix him? No, fix them. Okay. Yep. So that does play a role. And I've talked about it a lot in different variations of, <clears throat> you know, media, whatever. It's uh, one of those things that you can't ever really pinpoint exactly if it's going to make things worse or make things better, or not change anything at all. But anyway, that does play a factor and it seems to consistently, um, But sometimes also not. So, but for the majority of times, it's that plays a role and a factor. Once a dog Mm -hmm. is fully mature, and like I had a dog in my out of state this last time, he had a Mm -hmm. giant um, Tibetan mastiff, and I also had a giant Mm -hmm. Kane Corso in the group. So we had almost like 400 pounds of dog intact males. (laughs) Yeah. And the guy's like, Hey, can I, can I, can he meet the Corso? And I said, No, that's just a terrible idea. And he said, Why? I said well cuz they're both intact giant guardian protective dogs. I said that's just like a recipe of disaster. Yeah. And he you know looked at me like a UFO was hovering above me. Like he's like, "Really? That's a thing?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, that's a huge thing. It's a big thing." So anyway, so I would say that to you just that does play a role. Tremendous okay. role. Um moving forward from that, I would say the attack definitely was a thing. I mean, that, that, that's the confidence that we were just talking about of like, yeah, I love dogs. And then they beat the crap out of your dog and your dog's like, right. yeah, I don't I, it's just like with people. Like right. it's PTSD. It's, it's traumatic. It's, it makes you, it makes you lose your confidence. You know, you're jumped by somebody in a city and now you're like, yeah, that happened and it can happen again. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit or a lot more suspicious of people. And insecure right. about walking in that city and whatever. So anyway, it's it's definitely those type of events can make uh, anybody and any dog fearful and and more reactive because especially once they and that's the see, that's the hard thing is like typically people who talk to me about dog parks after is always when something bad happens. So I always try to right. put as much education out there as much as I possibly can to say, "Hey, look, you know, dogs parks dog parks can be great, but it's usually not a matter of if something happened, it's, it's a matter of when something happens. Yeah. Cause again, like I'm a data collector from, from my profession, <clears throat> my profession. That's how I help people is what, what's working. Did this advice work? Did this work? Did this, whatever. And the amount of data I've collected of dogs being, you know, having uh long-term behavioral issues from an incident at dog park is very consistent and happens often. So but that's water under the bridge. So there's two things I would say mainly is one of the things is avoidance, what you're doing, because you can't mm-hmm. control the other dog. So right. you have to do everything you can to basically just, it, just like in life, like you can't control what everyone else is doing out there uh, on the roads, at the restaurants, in the air, whatever it is. Like you can't control everybody. You, know, you just kind of do what's right for you. And you just have to protect you and your, you know, in your case, your dog in, in situations. And so yeah. that the first thing is just avoidance. Like, hey, we're not going to put ourselves in this situation. So like you said, like if you see a dog, you tend to uh, avoid the situation, which is fine. Just know and understand that it's probably not going to help and build any of the confidence that he needs to potentially right. get over. But I will say the caveat today is, is if he doesn't like other dogs, then that'll never happen anyway. So what you're, if you're t- saying like, Hey, yeah, I see a dog and I take out a treat and we're successful hundred percent of the time, I would just say, just why, why do anything else? Especially because okay. some people, some people want to say, well, I'd really like him to not react. And I'd like to not have to treat him away from other dogs, which I would agree. Mm-hmm. That would be great. But I'm just yeah. laying out like, I guess the rules of how I work with reactive dogs, because um, the other option is to control what you can through handling obedience. And that's a very like mixed martial arts type uh, gasp and brake pedal type thing. Like you have to change Mm -hmm. gears really quickly. You have to stop and go really quickly. Sometimes in order for that to make sense, because, and for it to work only because again, like you can't you don't know what the other dogs are going to do. So at any moment you're walking, um, dogs on a leash and then the owners takes a call and drops the leash and now is like yeah. two feet away from you. You're like, oh shit. So there's, so I guess my point is, is it's hard to say like, okay, if I got into a fight, what should I do? I'm like, well, it depends. What, it, what, is, what does this person do to you? Are they punching you? Right. Are they throwing something at you? Are they, they have a knife? Are they kicking you? Are they trying to get a headlock? Are they trying to take you down? Like, I can't teach you. I can just say like, run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> scream like I can get you on the defense but so when you're dealing with leash reactivity in your environment what are you finding most often are you out for walks and you see other dogs and he just loses it and the other dogs are looking at him like he's crazy or are they as crazy I mean what is the usual suspect here
3: um so usually it's yeah where I just out for a walk and he sees another dog um They could be just kind of walking. Most of the time it's like they're barking at him and he doesn't like it. There's definitely, there's this one guy we pass all the time. He's got two dogs and they just do not like each other. Like as soon as we see them, I mean, they just go ballistic, both of them. Um, So usually we try to avoid each other just because we've learned now it's like, this is not a good situation for any of us. Like, you know, we can barely hold them. And I'm like, I don't want something to happen. Um, But I mean, they could just be kind of walking. Most of the time it's their barking at him that he doesn't like.
2: Yeah. Um, and that's, that's going to be common when you're out. I, I just have learned over the years that not a lot of people take time to consider training their dog. So you're going to get that more times than not, it seems,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but it also depends on where you live, right? Like I have clients in Manhattan that see 50 dogs in 20 minutes. I have yeah clients in the mountains that see one dog a day. So, um, but again, like the most important thing is controlling what you can. So there's a lot of what I call dismantlement. I am just working on a dog reactivity course now. So we're working on like the terminology and one of the terminologies that I'm using is dismantlement for reactivity. So you're basically using dog training exercises to start to unpack the build before it becomes the crazy barking that you're seeing yeah. because most often dogs will start to build emotionally, physically external, like there's all like you can hear him whine, you can start seeing him shake, you can start seeing, there's all these things that start to happen before they actually react. And typically people just like don't want the dog to bark and carry on to make a scene. So that's all they care about. So there's some things that you can do to help dismantle that. A lot of it comes down to like three different, well, four different main things, I should say. There's going to be handling um, with the basics of the inside-outside turn and the recall. So wherever the wherever the mind goes, the head will follow. So the dog is on your left okay. side. You start to go into a heel. You're walking. Uh, mm-hmm. The dog starts to see another dog. Your dog perks up. You do an inside turn. Yep. Boom. The dog's, the dog's attention is immediately off the other dog. You're taking that pot of simmering water immediately okay. off that flame before it boils okay. over. That's really helpful. Um, that doesn't mean you go home. That means that it just... I find again, there's, there's gotta be a duration and accumulation of a dog building before they bark. Just again, I I kind of explained it earlier, like a pot of water simmering before it boils over. It's got to simmer for a certain amount of time and until it really like, you know, goes over the pot. And so if you're out with your dog and they start to get stimulated and they're starting that low stimmer, and then you remove him, you're like, Hey, we're going to go this way Mm -hmm. for two seconds. In most like moderate reactivity, that helps a lot. The dog just... stops just like again you take a pot of water off that and it completely dies usually yeah. so anyway and there's the outside turn which is helpful for when dogs are parallel with you where you're okay where you're out and you can or it doesn't really matter i guess but if you're uh it, it just depends on where the other dog is at but the inside turn will spin the dog away from you the outside turn will take the dog and spin the dog away from you, but on just yeah. a different position. And then the recall is a, is, does the same thing. So you're walking okay. forward, you see a dog, your your dog starts to build, you say the dog's name and you draw back, you say, come the dog flips around, comes to you, you pay the dog. And then you can either put them into a sit in front of you. So they're still looking away or you can put them back into a heel, but there's just that like dismantlement and that's not going to solve okay. leash reactivity. It's not going to make it go away forever. What it's going to do is it's going to help you break down the build before you get the major reaction. And in some cases, it stops the reaction from happening altogether because that water never boils over. We're constantly like, right? so it's definitely avoidance, but I started kind of coining it as structured avoidance um, and or constructive avoidance where you're like, I'm doing something constructive here. I'm not just avoiding but I'm also working on recall and I'm also working on heal and I'm also giving the dog a job I'm not just saying like here's a piece of beef liver come over here but I have nothing against that if it if it works for you it just doesn't help the dog gain confidence typically right because they're just not thinking about the dog I like to pay the dog after they've made a good decision after thinking about the dog they see the dog yeah they look back at you boom they get paid that's what I like to do so there's the inside outside and recall. And then there's just correcting the behavior when it happens as well. And a lot of times all of these things come into one. They all happen at the same time. Um so so when a dog is like, Oh, ah, there's a dog. What do we do?" And you're like, "You have to correct the dog." And correction mm-hmm. is often my my definition of a correction in this context anyway because often it's 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 it's, um, used as like a uh, punitive and I guess it could, but it doesn't always have mean pain, right? It could be just like slapping right. your hands or clapping, or some people have noisemakers, they have, uh, sprays, they have, I like to just mm-hmm. use simpler things like collars. Um, but anyway, your correction is just snapping the dog out of that state of mind and, and helping them and navigating them through a situation to think clearer and better. Okay. Um, so, but if you don't have that ability, then it's a if it's a difficult time, or it can be a difficult time for you to uh, move move forward with these things because you have a dog. They go, yeah. "Oh shit, there's a dog! What do we do? I don't like you. Get out of my neighborhood. Get out of." There's yeah. and there's like all this reaction. Who knows why it's happening? I've also had dogs react because they're excited they go play. So, but regardless, yeah. and nevertheless, it comes down to like an explosive, very. I hate walking my dog because of this situation, which is a lot of yeah. people deal with. <laughs> um, so correcting that behavior and discouraging it. So or correcting it with, so w- what do you feel like, like, could, do you have anything in your toolbox that you wouldn't wear on the walk to correct him when he just explodes like that? Or are you just, what are you using? How does that work?
3: Um, so right now he has, um, he does have an e-collar, well, you know, the ones that like vibrate. Um, So I do have that, but I find a lot of times he just doesn't care, (laughs) you know, like I'll tell him to do something and, you know, if he's not doing, not listening, vibrate and still continues to, you know, lunge at the dog or, you know, bark or whatever. Um, Mm.
2: Yeah. And sometimes that's, um, there's always, and all my questions is going to be kind of loaded like this, but there's always like different. Like splitting hairs of things, but oh, yeah. so, sometimes that that um, you know that vibrator, even that stimulation mm-hmm. correction from the dog is just ill timed. So you're mm-hmm. waiting too long, and the right okay the dog is too built like the dog is too built up. So sometimes what happens is um, the dog will like if there's a if there's a spectrum of ten being the most reactive the dog mm-hmm. can get right like teeth bearing growling barking lunging at the end of the leash. Uh, and then, you know, a zero is laying down. So sometimes when yeah. the dog starts to build, and I've just been noticing this um, to be helpful to a lot of... Um, hold on one second. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Taylor,
2: touch her! <laughs> Sorry about that. We have okay. um, two carpeted rooms in my home, one of them of which I'm in and it's raining and my dog has been outside and, uh, my wife just let her in and she decided to come up here, which is a terrible idea. Anyway, <laughs> oh. so there's, so we've, so there's, there's that timing, right? So once the, once the dog starts to build, they go, Oh, there's, you know, and the ears perk up and they're breathing yep. gets like, and they're just like <laughs> locked in. Like they just heard a squeaker for the first time. They're like, I know. So sometimes at that point it's, it's it's like, it's too late when they just go boom and they're locked in. So you have to do like, you have to do again, some of these uh, dismantlement things. Cause I mean, yeah, if you just correct the dog, they may like snap out of it, but you also want to give them like after you correct them, then what, then what do you want them to do? Like after you're like, hey, right. man, snap okay. out of it. You're about to make a bad decision. I can see it on your face. You got to quit the crap. Yeah. <laughs> and then they, they snap out of it because we corrected them with something. Again, it doesn't matter if it's a, a noisemaker or a prong caller or an e-caller or whatever. They're, they're like, they snap out of it. They're like, oh, shit, where am I? Who are you? Where, where What's going on? And then what? Then you have to have your recall and you have to have your leave it and you have to have your heel and you have to have all these things kind of that follow the correction okay. because it's not realistic for you to just correct a dog and then them go, Oh, okay. You want me to just ignore the dog forever? Right. I mean, that is Okay. It, it, part of it is, um, when you're using a correction for reactivity anyways, is what I'm referring to. There's gotta be like, when we do this at the facility, we'll be in a heel or we'll, you know, mm-hmm. tell a dog, to, like there's, there's something that comes after that. It's not just like they're standing on the leash just okay. as a dog is there. And we say, don't, and they're like, oh, okay, I won't like, there's gotta be And this has just been like the successful thing that we have found is you have to immediately like do this though. Okay. Leave it. Okay. Now do this. So you have to have that in your toolbox too, to have that, um, obedience, I would say, but, um, going back to the e-collar, what, what collar do you have? Do you know?
3: Um, I do not. Mm. (laughs) I did some training, um, with him when he was younger. And it was like a whole program that gave you the collar and everything.
2: Is it just vibrate? Is that where you're using it? Yes. Okay, cool. (laughs) So again, like splitting hairs is like every single e-collar is different. Every company that makes e-collars is different. So I can't really talk about how yours works particularly because I don't know it, but um, regardless is some e-collar vibrations are minimal compared to some others. Mm -hmm. Like mine, I have the I did a signature series with Dogtra, and my remote collar is very abrupt. It's very corrective. Mm -hmm. It's very like, hey, snap out of what you're doing, which is why it's been so monumental and reactivity. That Tibetan Mastiff I was telling you about earlier, that dog wanted to eat me because he didn't really know what else to do, and also the owner was making a lot of mistakes and I couldn't handle the dog because he's, again, like this giant bear that would explode on me. And I'm like <laughs> – right. I mean I could, but it just it, – I, I wasn't interested and it wasn't going to be effective to, for me to fight this dog. So mm-hmm. I literally used my e-collar. I, I'd walk up and he'd go like this right before he exploded. I go – and he just looked around. And then within the third time I did it, he literally – um, avoided me. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. And at that point, again, like I use I'm just giving you context of vibrations and behavioral Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, I shut the behavior down. I could have also hurt our relationship a little bit between me and the dog, but at the end of the day, I'm never hopefully going to see that dog again. And, but at the core, I stopped the reactivity. And with a, with a dog like that, that is like, (sighs) <sighs> he's just an explosive too powerful dog I was just telling the owner like you know that vibrates gonna save save you but you have to time it right is my point don't wait for yeah. this dog to be in crazy mode so your timing is important and you have to make sure that as your dog starts to scale up from zero to ten you have to correct the, the the collar and use the collar before it gets to that point and then there's also a very common thing that we see is the dog's like I don't give a shit about this I don't care yeah <laughs> You know, there's, there's different um, rules and regulations and laws uh, structure that we put into our society too that people don't care. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, oh speed limit mm, 65, <laughs> 75. And if I get pulled yeah. over, well, that's not the end of the world, right? So there's certain things that we are willing to push because we're like, the consequence isn't. So my point is, right. I'm just trying to give you like an idea that sometimes dogs just don't care about the punishment because they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. What's next? What else you got? Um, But other times it's like that massive where they're like, forget I even, even looked at you wrong, Tom. I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, and it's a beautiful thing because I'm like, this guy yeah. can't handle this dog anyway. So anyway, um, I would just be mindful moving forward with your e-collar that you're using it in conjunction with the obedience we talked about. So okay. really hard, like, what's your dog's name? Jethro. Jethro? Yep. Cool. It'd be Jethro, leave it. Like, it's got to be there. Like, some people are like, okay, Jethro or Jethro. Like, it's got to be very yeah. assertive. It's not punitive. Okay. It's not corrective. It's not, it's not reward either. It's not like, Jethro, how about we not? It's very like, Jethro, yeah. leave it. You know, it's like, it's very assertive. Like, this is what we're doing. Okay. so and then it's enforced by that correction um what leash and collar setup are you on
3: um just like a
2: flat collar like a
3: regular collar yeah around his neck and then just um it's not a super long leash um
2: yeah i like you know, the pretty, um pretty
3: short so i can keep him kind of close
2: yeah I like i was just gonna say i like the four foot leashes okay so i like four foot leashes regardless of the dog puppy or reactive dog or not. I like the four foot leashes cause it, it makes, it makes less room for error. Now if yeah. I'm, if I'm working on recall and other things, I get like a 20 foot footer out. So okay. that's that. And then I would just say, um, like goldens are typically bigger dogs and they're strong. So what might be helpful for you is, uh, trying out a prong collar to see if that'll help control him in those situations. Okay. Um, um, it's just, when you get a dog that big, here, here's what I'm saying. I'm envisioning this. You're out for a walk. You see another dog. He starts to build. He starts to react. He goes to the end of the leash and starts barking. And then you're like, oh shit, we got to get out of here. And if you wanted to go the route that we're talking about, about just going mm-hmm. forward with it and like, Hey man, you got to deal with it. It's great to work with a trainer on this. Cause typically they'll have like a demo dog that they can just like what I do with my yeah. dog is I'll just put her in a down stay or, you know, whatever. Yep. Um, anyway, so those are things that you can, you can try, uh, the prong collar is just going to give you more control. It's going to give you the ability to control your dog under those circumstances, especially being like a bigger dog. Um, and it'll also give you a little bit more enforcement. If the e-collar isn't working, you can try the popping the collar to snap the dog out of it. Uh, cause when they get into this, like, you know, they see red, um, some, sometimes they just that you got to snap them out of it. And sometimes the vibrate mm-hmm. doesn't do anything. So that's my other uh, piece of advice is maybe like enforcing it with a, a well-fit prong collar could be helpful. Okay. Um, outside of that, I would just say also really auditing your obedience altogether. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a trained dog is much easier to work with, especially if with behavioral problems, because at least you they, they have the fundamentals where you're like, hey, leave it. They're like, okay. I know what that is. Or you're like heal. They're like I know what that is too. Or you're like come or down or heal. Whatever the case, whatever the behavior you're asking the dog, they know it well, and that is also really helpful because again, when you correct the dog, however you do it, doesn't matter how you do it, mm-hmm. it um, it's really helpful to then give them something again to constructively do immediately after. So okay. the dog goes, "Hey, there's a dog." I feel like I need to do this, and you're like, "Hey, leave it." You make that uncomfortable for the dog. You you correct them in some way. You snap them out of that behavior, out of that mindset. And if they snap out of it, you're like, but you're just sitting there, and you're like, "Uh, now what?" You have to make sure that well, you don't have to, but what's helpful is is like, let's do this instead, and then yeah. you're and then you're able to immediately, um, you know, put the dog into gear after that. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. So how, how do you feel like your overall obedience is in particular with like heel?
3: <laughs> not, not good. Okay. Um, he, he knows it and he'll do it sometimes, <laughs> but not all the times. So, like, yeah. it's kind of that way with like a lot of things. Like, cause you know, heel, he just, I mean, he loves to be outside. So he's like, let me see everything. I just want to go. Um, And then, you know, kind of the same thing with like, stay and down, you know, if he doesn't feel like, you know, he wants to go down, he'll, you know, give me a little growl, and then he'll eventually, you know, I'll repeat it, no, down, and he'll eventually go down with some grumbling, Um, stay, you know, put him in a stay, sometimes he'll do it, sometimes he'll, you know, pop up, you know, so kind of working on like, okay, can I open the fridge, can I open the, you know, door to my patio, does he stay? And if not putting him right back there and, you know, trying again, um, I don't know. It just feels yeah. so hit, hit or miss, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so if you don't, um, the, so your obedience is your communication. Like think of mm-hmm. obedience. I think some people think of obedience as like trick stuff and it's not, it's like paw and lay yeah. down. peeling. Like, I don't really want to do right. that. Like, what's the point of that? You, well, yeah, there is, yeah. there is. No point in that in particular. It's not useful in everyday life. But your other stuff is, and your overall your obedience is your ability to communicate with the animal that you've invited into your life. You've invited into your family. You invite into your world. It doesn't matter if you're homeless, living in a van or living on an estate. Like, your ability to communicate is your obedience to keep them safe. It's the only way you can communicate with them because they don't understand English. They don't understand sentences. They don't understand any other language except what you teach them. So if they don't know how to come back on command, then you're just waiting for them to come back when they want to. And and right. so on and so forth. Like same thing with heel. Like you, they have four legs, we have two. So you say, hey, we, I want you to walk nicely on a loose leash and not drag me. Thank you very much. But that's what heel is. And so my I guess my point of saying all this is understanding that if you – want your dog to behave a certain way, but you don't have any communication, Mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard for you to do that. Like, it's not like, again, if I had this trick question where I'm like, okay, you get, um, you get five other people together and you need to build a house, but you can't talk. How are you going to do it? It's like, oh, I'm going to write down. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you can't write down either. You can't communicate at all. How are you going to do that? Like, man, that'd be really hard, but it's the same thing with dogs. I I always tell people like, if you have a problem, Or even if you have a house you want to build where you're like, I want to do something with you. I want to go whatever, but you can't communicate that. Then that's really hard. I mean, you could do like, let's come up here, tap, 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 up, up, up. Like use your, I mean, that's, that's easy for them to follow. But I just think that when you go out and you're having behavioral problems with your dog or even, you know, just basic leash stuff, you're, you're, how can you communicate? It's like, Because that's really the question is, How well is your communication with your dog? And the answer is not good. Like, okay. Like your dog loves you and you love your dog and you may do things that your dog's like, oh, treat. I know what that is. I know what the bag is. I know what the leash is. I know what the keys are. I know what the back door means. I know what the side door means. These are all conditioned responses. But Mm -hmm. when you're out, like those are all out of context of when you need them. None of that matters. Right. Like So some people kind of take things for granted where they're like, my dog is so smart. When I grab the keys, they know we're leaving. My dog is so smart. When I go to the back door, they know to go outside or whatever. That's yeah, that's not wrong, but that's just a conditioned response. A plus B equals C. You know, one plus one equals okay. two. They just know what that means. But you can't take that and then apply it to well, when I'm out for a walk and my dog is dragging me, they should be smart enough not to know how to do that. well no, they don't. They have four legs. They're 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 they have a prey drive. They are friendly with people, they want to go do this stuff, you have to make sure that you have the foundation to say like, I need you to, it's like taking a toddler to Disneyland and they don't know anything. It's a nightmare. Yeah. like You don't know, and they don't know anything. <laughs> they don't know, hold my hand. They don't know, please. They don't know, they don't know, thank you. They can, can I be excused? They don't know anything. They're, just, they're just, just doing whatever they want because you can't say, hey, I need you to hold my hand because we're about to cross this busy street. When we get up there, I need you to wait patiently while I pay for tickets. And I need you to, you know, you know all these communicative things, yeah. right? And dog owners um, who have problems with their dog pretty much on any level, but specifically the behaviorally that don't have a foundation have a much, 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 almost little, very none uh, possibility to really overcome and modify these problems because they don't have, they don't have communication. Like you can't, so two things. Actually, just one major mm-hmm. thing. You said, "Well, he knows it, but whether he does it or not is a different story." So, I typically like now. There's two things with that because, of course, I'm going to split hairs here. Mm-hmm. So when you're so when you're out with your dog, and you have mm-hmm. that problem, Jethro pulling on the leash, seeing another dog, reacting, and you say "heel." Let's say he knows "heel." Say you've say you've worked on "heel" since he was a puppy. He knows "heel." You can do it. He knows it until he sees a dog. Well, that really comes down to, um, there, there's the understanding of the behavior like, does, how well does your dog actually know it? Does your dog really know it? Like, are they really qualified? It's like qualification, right? It's like when oh, okay. you put somebody into a driver's seat of a, a, uh, a bus full of kids and you're like, is, are they certified, qualified? Do they have experience? How long have they been doing it? Right. And it's like, oh, they've been doing it for 20 years. They get recertified every year they're good okay cool but if it's like oh no they just they just really love big yellow buses and they just you know <laughs> they got nothing else to you you're like oh well maybe this is so my there's a qualification right and you can copy and paste that to literally anything like planting a tree uh, uh, uh driving a, a school bus or flying a plane like there's got you got to have experience in what you're doing and it's got to be proven anyway so with your dog it's it's kind of like the same thing like how how qualified is your dog in heel it's like well he's okay at it or he's not so then it so let's say okay no he's good he knows it okay and this is common he knows the behavior but he's not doing it so you're like i tell my dog to come and sit and all this stuff then it comes down to in my experience enforcement is why so you're telling your dog to do something that they want to do So if they're out chasing a squirrel, having a grand old time going gangbusters, chasing rabbits through holes, and you're like, hey, man, come inside and sleep, or hey, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Like, this is way more fun than anything you can provide me. And then that's where it comes down to that discipline and that enforcement. And so I find, especially in younger kind of pushy dogs, is they're almost like, what are you going to do about it if I don't? Because this is a lot of fun. And that's where that enforcement comes in. And if you don't have a relationship that has an undertone of there is consequences if you just completely blow me off because that's not how we run our house. That's we, You can't just right. – if I say, hey, dinner's at 6 and you show up at 7.30, like you don't get dinner then. Not like, oh, let me make you something different. And, you know, because then, cause then <laughs> you're like, hey, so any rule that you put into place, that's how that's going to go. I don't really feel like it. And right. to be honest with you, my mom just – doesn't care if I, you know, disobey, you know, so that enforcement is another really big factor through the thousands and thousands and thousands of dogs I've worked with over the years, um, is if there's no enforcement and you tell a dog to do something, especially against like what they're primitively wanting to do at that moment, if the enforcement isn't there, which means if there's no accountability, a realistic accountability, because I've heard like, well, I told him he's a bad boy. I'm like, Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't work like that. They don't care about that, and they don't know what you said, so it's a double negative. So anyway, (laughs) that's another thing to consider when you're out and you're working is if you feel like he knows – because that's one of the biggest things with leash reactivity is if your dog's heel is really good, it takes away 50% of the reactivity because they're not lunging. Right. It's like, okay, now I have a barking dog at my heels, right? So there's kind of like this technical side which you'll find a lot of like well-trained dogs to walk on that line, especially like sport dogs where they're like, they, we mm-hmm. teach them to be very confidently pushy and ballsy and like, rah, and then we're like, Hey, you can't do this. They're like, really? Because you encourage me to do stuff all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of confident in saying no to you. Yeah. So that's where that like, you know, cause it, cause then you'll get a dog that's healing really nicely, but still barking and reacting. But then again, you have to layer over another control, like another communication skill of like leave it or whatever so anyway so there's just a lot that kind of goes into it but um baseline obedience is huge all of the dismantlement exercises inside turn outside turn recall correcting the dog but having a correction that they care about is huge so if you're going out every time with your dog and your dog is barking and reacting and you're trying to enforce it and you're like gritting your teeth you're like "Ah, what are you doing and it's not working. Then you have to switch gears. Like whatever equipment that you're using or whatever you're saying isn't working. It's not working. That doesn't work. So we have to we have to move on. Um, that's okay. outside of a very genetical you know, really dangerous dog. But those are few and far in between. That's not your dog. Your dog's just like, hey, there's a dog. What do we do? Should Are they going to attack me? Should I attack them? Are they yeah. talking shit? Like, what should I do here? <laughs> and then that's your job is, hey, man, stop. That dog is literally just like enjoying their walk peacefully with their owner. Yep. You're ridiculous. And that's where you correct the dog. <laughs> and it's literally as simple as that you go out. The dog reacts like, hey, what do we do? Correction. You keep moving. And over time, what ends up happening is here's what I found. Here's the secret sauce. So say you go out the dog, the dog reacts, we correct the dogs. We, but you're saying, leave it correction. So it's enforced. We're saying, leave it correction. It's enforced. So we're doing something about it. Say we're popping with the prong collar or whatever. The dog's mm-hmm. like, all right, fine. What ends up happening is, especially with dogs who are reacting from insecurity issues or fear is they're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to. So you go out, they see a dog, we say, leave it. And they're like, oh, I don't want to get punished this time. So they're like, I don't, so they're avoiding the correction. But what ends up happening sometimes is, because sometimes they avoid the question, the equation or the correction. But what ends up happening, and this is fascinating to me, is you'll watch the dog ch- start thinking. They go, There's a dog, and I'm not barking. This is interesting. This is different. Who are <laughs> you? You know what I mean? That's yeah. where the dog starts to change, and that's where you see that modification happen. So the perception of how they, feel about other dogs. So Jethro's like, "Hi, I'm Jethro. What's your name?" Instead of like, there's a dog, let's react. And you're like, "You can't react anymore, man." That's that, that's not I don't care. And there's some dogs yeah. that are like you're suppressing it, right? Using mm-hmm. using a correction. You're like, "Hey, I can you don't but they just don't like other dogs." And that's not going to change. Yeah. So you're you're like, "Okay. Right. Well, you, okay, fine. You don't want to like this dog or that dog or whatever. I don't give a crap. You're still not barking because that's that's not how we're behaving." Um but most right. cases, again, when the behavior is stemming from leash reactivity, from um, fear or anxiety or overall just confidence of like, I don't know what to do. You're basically taking that away. Like you can't react though. You're not doing that. You're getting punished for that. And they're like, fine, I won't. But then they think. And that's where the magic happens because then they just walk by other dogs and they're like, yeah, it's old news. I don't react. I don't need to react. So there's basically everything that I said over the last hour – all kind of come into this pot you know of like how to Mm. work on this because again it really depends on the other dog it depends on your dog it depends on your communication it depends on your enforcement it depends on the environment that you're in it depends on who's around it depends on everything but that's like a well-rounded answer on how to start effectively working on what you're dealing with but I would just say like if your dog's hanging out at the end of the leash barking like a Tasmanian mm-hmm. devil and you're like saying mm-hmm. don't the first place you need to start is getting more control making sure that your dog takes you seriously and making sure that you get that respect because right now if your dog isn't responding to you under behavior they know they are flipping you off and that's a problem.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um I guess, um, like for the basic commands, like, you know, kind of where he does that of like, Hey, I don't want to do this right now. I'm going to you know, flip you off Mm because I don't want to do this. Just, I mean, just the practice and just like more, cause I feel like, but it's probably also like you said, like my voice is not (laughs) necessarily right. You know, disciplined Mm -hmm. or strong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah. That's a big piece you're handling. Um, so what's the, what's the exact question?
3: I guess like, how do I work on like building the basics with him? Yeah. Like just practice okay. tone.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's a good question. There's yes, there's practice and tone for sure, but there's environments too. This is where, this is what isn't talked about a lot, which is like one of the biggest reasons why dog owners fail in the foundational process. And I've made it a super simple answer. There's different levels. One, two, three. one basic. Two, intermediate. Three, advanced, off-leash. Your dog will do anything that you ask, anywhere. One is what we do with nine-week-old puppies, basic stuff. Right. Those levels are typically changed by the distance, distraction, and duration in the environments that they're in. So okay. you do not want to introduce a new behavior to your dog that they don't know well outside, period. You don't want to do it. It's right. a bad idea. You want to do it inside? lots of motivation, lots of engagement. Hey man, I need you to learn this. Pay attention. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you build that out to level two, which is maybe garage basement, maybe driveway, possibly backyard again, depending on where you live. Yeah. Um, and then you start to build these things out. And again, like the distance distraction duration comes in where heel is one of those things that you're going to work on. I just recorded a puppy heal thing. Um, we talked about this, but we were talking about it in, every, in the other heel video, but let's say, okay, we're starting out with a puppy. We're going to heal from A to B and within A to B is five steps. And we're going to do that three times. And the dog doesn't pull on the leash. The dog is engaged. The dog does great, great pass. Now we're going to go from B to C, and that's going to be 10 steps. We do that three times and we pass. So you get this consecutive consistent thing. And then okay. you do that with every command recall, heal, place, stay, leave it. You just build them out with different distractions, duration, and distances of how long that you're doing these things for. Um, and that's how you do it. Um, but again, like if you're looking at a dog and you're going Jethro, sit, 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 heal. That's where they're like, get out of here with that. Like, stop talking (laughs) to me because you're pleading and begging with them and you have to be more assertive again. So Jethro sit, that's why I, like so many people like hand me the leash and I, I say that and they're like, wow, dog whisper. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm just assertive. Dogs love that shit. They don't want somebody that's asking them a question, but demanding somebody at the same time. You yeah. know what I mean? So okay. It's like, if I'm like, hey, yeah. um, where's the gas station? I'm almost out of gas. And you're like, it's over there versus it's right. If you take a left here, it's right there. I'm like, perfect. I'm gone. The yeah. first answer, I would go on Google Maps or ask somebody else because you're not Right. confident you're not telling me anything. You're just like can maybe uh, it's not there. So that's <laughs> yeah. that's the other big thing is just how you're handling that situation. And that's where a lot of dog owners fail. They look at the dog, they hike up the leash, they give the dog pressure, they're correcting the dog before they ask and they ask the dog instead of tell the dog. And all of those things is like brram, brram, fail, fail, fail. So then you're like, yeah. "Oh, this isn't working." I'm like, "Well, oh. so that's I would just refer to like a lot of my videos. I also go over this a lot of my members club. So, I have a my members club is basically all of my YouTube videos that you've ever watched, even if you've watched one of them, the full-length video of that. So, we filmed those for like 3 days and you're getting okay. a 10-minute video. But the full length of everything in between is in that members club. Um the most expensive package in there's 39.99. And you can watch wow. okay. literally hundreds of thousands of dollars that people spent on training that's in there and you and you have access to uh, my trainers my actual trainers at my facility you can talk to all the time and say hey um i had an online with tom and i'm trying this and what do you think of this and they'll they'll answer you within 24 hours it's like it's like that chat form, except they're not people in like bangladesh that have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) it's my actual training staff that work with me every day so that's awesome. nice. That's cool. So, that's another mm-hmm. rec for you. Because um, you can just dive into like, because that's, that's where a lot of those mistakes yeah. happen is like the owner's like, put your arm down, put your arm down, put your arm down, put your arm down. All that mm-hmm. stuff that you'll probably granularly find you, you to do without even knowing.
3: Right. <laughs> awesome. Um, one more question. And then anything, or I guess any advice. So, I live in like a pretty big neighborhood. And unfortunately, um, people don't necessarily put leashes on their dogs that need to. So we have a ton of do- We've, I mean, it's almost constant that we have dogs off leash run up to us and the owner is nowhere to be found. And I'm like, you know, then it causes me to panic because I know he's dog reactive. And I'm like, I don't want him to hurt another dog. Um, but without the owner being there, it's like I have no... You know, help to get this dog away from me and my dog, um, and I just don't know. Like, is there, yeah, something I can do to at least kind of like defuse him? And you know, until the owner finally comes running out and they realize like what's happened.
2: <laughs> yeah, some tips on that. Well, first of all, you can't control the other dog, obviously. Right. And um, some tips on that is try to go to a different place that that, that doesn't happen. If I if I if that were to happen in my neighborhood, I wouldn't walk my dog in my neighborhood. Period. I just wouldn't deal with yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna go up yeah. to.
2: Yeah. Hey, um, it's me, Tom. I just was walking, and and that's something you could do. But if it's like every time I'm out, it's a different dog, and I don't even know where these dogs live, I just wouldn't walk. Yeah. I just wouldn't. Okay. I mean, you have to be the bigger person sometime Because I used to be the opposite. Right. I'd be like, No, no, no. That, there's leash laws, and yeah, okay. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. Um, if it's happening all the time, like same people, like, oh, I go to this one trail, and every time I'm like, don't go to that trail. Stop. Yeah. Like, why are you making this so hard for yourself? And then the other thing is um, uh, just getting the dog away from you. So as the dog is approaching, there's certain there's a there's a tool called Doggy Don't, which mm-hmm. is a noise maker you can get on Chewy or Amazon. Uh, but it just basically makes, basically makes a lot of noise. There's also a halt spray, which is like a bear spray for dogs, which you spray it in front of the dog as it's approaching, and it typically will stop them. It's very um, okay. Yeah, they don't like it because um, you got to look at the. I used to carry it every day with me when I had my to- my Saint Bernard Thompson when he was alive. Every time when I went out with him (laughs) because he didn't like other dogs, but I'm, I'm a responsible dog. I can control him. He's trained. Right. I had a prong collar on my 160 pound dog because if shit (laughs) hit the fan, he's bigger than me. (laughs) So I don't, I don't, I don't (laughs) want to flat collar this dog. It's a terrible idea. Anyway, so I would carry that with me just because like these off leash dogs, they may be friendly and they're like, Hey, and my dog's like ready to kill your dog. And I'm like, Nope, 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 Nope. Not a good idea. Yep. So I carried that with me every day. Uh, it's just like a little tiny thing, the size of an inhaler you can get on again, Chewy and Amazon. Um, because you're, but the other thing is, is just like, if you're with somebody else, Hey, here's Jethro, you have another leash on you, you grab that dog and you tie it to a tree to try to find the owner whatever like i've done that by my if i'm by myself i've done mm-hmm. that i've tied my own dog to a tree if i'm like i used to be a dog walker so yeah that was my job walking dogs and we would come across the craziest shit. now my personal <laughs> dogs my obedience so this is helpful again this is where your obedience comes comes into reality my obedience is so good with with lakota my dog I can just down her. I'm like down and I can, I can approach, Hey buddy, how are you? And I suck in that blow from that dog and they're like, you know, excited and I'll leash him up and I'll do what I need to do. And my dog will stay. I could even walk with my dog 10 steps behind me on command as I'm walking with this random dog I found. They try to find an owner and that's (laughs) what my dog would do. Wow. Yeah. So that control, that control is really important when you're out. And that's just another example. Um, if you're with somebody again, hand your dog off. Approach the dog yourself. But there's really not much you can do training wise because it's not fair. Because if that dog is mean and aggressive, you right. need you need your dog to defend themselves. Right. My vet told me that many years ago. I'll never forget it. He was telling me that he had two pit bulls, and he was out hiking, and these two random dogs like came up, and he's like, before they got to me, I was hoping they didn't. They were looking aggressive, and he just let his dogs go. He's like, I'm not gonna let my dogs get killed and mauled. It's a, you know, right? it's, it's a dark thing, but it's like, there, there's, you really don't have a lot of choices. Um, especially if it's yeah. an aggressive dog approaching you, like, it's just a shitty scenario. So again, avoid those situations. If it's common, have those conversations with the owners. If you know where they live, carry an extra leash with you. Um, get halt spray, get the dog. You don't, uh, that made me feel really good when I had the halt spray. It made me feel really yeah. good knowing that I can protect myself. It was a really good feeling. Um, especially, yeah. you know, like if my nanny or my wife were to walk a dog, like I'm always like, carry this with you. Cause I don't, you know, you just, you never know.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So
2: yeah. I mean, other than kicking and screaming and saying, get away. Th- those are the realistic tips. I wish I can give you some okay. ha- Harry Potter like thing to just turn the dog around and walk away quietly, but that's just not how it goes. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, that's
2: helpful. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, uh, anything yeah. else you can think of?
3: Okay, I think that's all my questions.
2: Cool. All right, well, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you for signing up. And yes, thank w- you so much. You're welcome. I wish you and Jethro the best of luck.
3: Thank you. All right, bye. <laughs> bye.
2: All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. This comes from Dog. Um, well, this is just, I've been listening and watching your videos. Five star review. Thank you. Tips for a large breed, fluffy boy, magpie, one, two, one, six. Thank you for listening. Love the podcast. I have two questions working on sending away to the place with my great peer and he's struggling to get past the point about five feet away. Um, he's big and he likes to lay down as soon as he goes to the place. So it's tough to get him to break off and again, do it repeatedly. Is there anything, something I should be doing? I would, just do less of the place. So less of the sendaways. So just do a couple, even if you do one and he's sending away from a further duration, um, making sure that you're on a long line so he can't deter away. Also making sure he's motivated. So if he's food motivated, make sure you do this before he eats breakfast and before dinner, um, get him excited, use high value treats and just teach him that when he gets onto that place, he gets paid. Those are some tips for that. The other question is about the prong collar fit i watched a few of your videos about this, but he's so fluffy, it's hard to tell if it's staying in the right spot. If I take out a link, it seems to be too tight. Where I struggle to get the Herm Springer, where I struggle to get it on Herm Springer. Through. Yep. So if you watch my videos, we talk about this a lot, this exact thing. If you're dealing with a 3.2, get a 3.0. It's a smaller prong and it'll be helpful with your sizing. Next one comes from Styled Canine, fellow groomer Um, love hated the grooming podcast groomer of almost 18 years enjoyed the realness and agreed with so much of what fellow industry peer said until dawn and free consults i can't say this is an industry standard but and it's certainly not a red flag but everyone's Time is valuable at work. I have a very successful maintenance salon after the years, and I still love grooming. I also specialize in dogs and behavioral issues. I'm super loving Tom's podcast. Uh, refer to my clients religiously, so on and so forth. Um, well, I would just say in like the free consults for those of you guys who don't know to give you context, we had uh, my dog groomer Liz on the podcast. She's great at what she does. Um, I love her honesty and her openness. Uh, and she was just saying like she does free consults and um, this styled canine also as a groomer. And she said that she doesn't agree with that, which is fine. But I would just say that the reason why Liz does free consults is because she wants to make sure that the people are going to be committed to grooming with her because her spots are very valuable so she's doing consults to meet with the owners to make sure that they're going to be a long-term client so she doesn't waste her time so that's why she does it um free consults are not free washes they're just to meet the dog and the owner to make sure that their dog is and and the other thing is is making sure that the dog isn't going to maul their face off a lot of people especially groomers they have a really hard job way harder than i do they get a dog dropped off and they're like here groom it and they leave (laughs) it's it's very difficult. So that's why that happens. Next is a three-star review. Well, if I'm going to show you the good, I can also show you the not five stars because that's the only fair thing to do. Three-star review needs to let guests speak. Daniel, me, Tom, I respect your work and interviewing folks like Forrest who have been following for six or seven years. Now you have to let him speak. You ask a question, but then interrupt or answer the question yourself or talk about your experience in life. You need to make it about your guests. Even with paraphrasing, well, I'll make that uh, note and I'll try to work on it in the future, I suppose. Thank you for the feedback. Next comes from G G R E A Y Y Y Y. Tom Davis is the best around and nobody's ever going to bring him down. <laughs> uh, this guy is, uh, has a way with words. I love listening to the information he takes and how he responds to the information, the way he does so eloquently and uses analogies and metaphors and makes it uh, great sense. He's got a real gift. I highly recommend to anyone starting off in the industry or anyone who's thinking about getting a dog or has uh, been struggling. Uh, Thomas, some incredible insight into learning and how to deal with that stuff. Dude has been, con- dude has been a consistent voice in my ears since I started training dogs myself. And I can't even express in words how helpful it's been listening to the podcast during my learning journey. Thank you for everything, Tom. Hope I've sent you some new ears to fill up with knowledge. No bad dogs. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it so much. Um, means the world to me that you seriously, even if you guys don't have questions, um that is huge gasoline for me like um you know sometimes it's I'm talking to a microphone I don't see anybody but we have you know millions of downloads here and that's amazing and that's crazy but I don't just I just sometimes I just forget about like you know who's watching and it's hard to like like when we do meet and greets and stuff I'm like wait this many people knows who I am this is crazy So anyway, thank you guys for listening. If you want me to answer your dog training questions in the future or you just want to support this podcast, leave us a review. It's the best way you do it. It's absolutely for free. These guys paid a lot of money to talk to me, and you guys are listening into that conversation for free. Do me a solid. Leave a review. Love you guys. Talk
0: to you next week. Bye.